to Autism in the Adult podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Teresa Regan, an adult neuropsychologist. I specialize in brain behavior relationships for those 14 and older. I'm the parent of an amazing teen on the autism spectrum and a certified autism specialist. I am deeply grateful to bring validation, hope, and purpose to individuals and their families living on the autism spectrum. With this mission at its core, I founded and currently direct the OSF Healthcare Adult Diagnostic Autism Center in Central Illinois. My books include Understanding Autism in Adults and Aging Adults and Understanding Autistic Behaviors. For more information and to join my online community for free, visit www.adultandgeriatricautism.com. Please join me in helping individuals, couples, and families thrive while living life on the autism spectrum. Hello, this is Dr. Regan. I'm glad you're joining me for today's podcast. The topic that we're going to talk about today has to do with conversations in a partnership or a relationship. So this might be a friendship, it might be with a sibling or a family member, or perhaps this is with a significant other or marriage partner. There was an interesting article published in 2016 by Beverly Wynn and her associates that I will link here in the podcast section. But it has to do with how conflict is managed in relationships where at least one of the partners is on the autism spectrum. The title of the article is Conflict Management in Couple Relationships, the Experiences of Individuals with Asperger's Syndrome and Their Partners. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to use the current up-to-date diagnostic term, which is autism spectrum disorder, rather than Asperger's syndrome. So what the team did was to take surveys of various partnerships in which at least one of the partners was on the spectrum to see what kinds of concerns or difficulties they reported, what kinds of things helped resolve these difficulties. And one of the findings was that 28% of the conflict events that were studied among couples that included an ASD partner or autism spectrum disorder partner were triggered by, quote, over-persistence in conversation and demands, end quote. What this refers to is that the individual on the autism spectrum has this brain structure and connectivity that leans toward stickiness of thought and behavior, so getting stuck on something, and it leads to sometimes repetitive loops. So I'm stuck in this loop of behavior or this way of thinking. Some might refer to this quality as difficulty with flexibility of thinking and behavior. Uh, The person might seem very set in their ways and have difficulty shifting from one thought process to another or one behavioral process to another. So this is just really one of the defining characteristics for the individual on the spectrum, the way that the brain is connected. And it has to do with the center and the front of the brain and the connectivity in those areas. 
What the overpersistence refers to in these conflict events is that sometimes the individual on the spectrum would become much more persistent and repetitive when they were talking about a topic that had already been discussed. And so this could be a conversational topic, or it could be a demand such as, uh, you need to do this, this is how we do this task, and just really repeating the topic even when the other partner is ready to shift topics or has already processed and responded to what is being said. Now, for all couples, this can be a difficult balance, can't it? Where one person wants to keep talking about something and the other person really feels like it's already been talked about, they've already responded. But in the case of the relationship where at least one of the partners is on the spectrum, this can be even more difficult. And so sometimes we can get problems in a relationship where the person returns to the topic, sometimes bringing it up for a whole day wanting to persist or multiple days over multiple weeks. And this causes a lot of tension, as you can imagine, in the relationship and within the the communication ability within that couple. So what we're going to focus on today are three tips to implement today that can help structure conversations and relationship encounters to avoid some of this real sticky repetition. And the purpose in avoiding this is not that we're not going to address the concern, but the the purpose is to relieve the strain that this places on the relationship by repeatedly talking about something that's very draining to the other partner. So one thing to start with is before any tip is going to be successful, we do need to have a couple that realizes that this stickiness, this repetitive loop in conversation is actually hurting the relationship. So they both have to be committed to realize that we really do want to shift this stickiness. And there can also just be this realization within the couple that this isn't a choice um, that could be uh, made or discarded by the individual on the spectrum. This is the way their brain is wired, that when they lean toward a certain behavioral pattern, they're going to be leaning toward repetition, leaning toward stickiness. Um, Perhaps stickiness on something that's not as important as something else, but they just can't release it. They're going to struggle with shifting. So leaving one topic or behavioral pattern and shifting to another that's more important. So there's this neurological base, and it leaves this individual as one who will lean toward this kind of difficulty. If both of the individuals in the relationship agree that they'd really like some strategies to decrease this repetitive loop, then they could try some alternatives. The one strategy that I find does not really help in the long term is for the neurotypical partner or the partner who's ready to move on. I really don't find it helpful for them to explain to the autistic partner 
why they need to move on. So this intellectual explanation, this reasoning about why we need to let it go, or just repeatedly saying we need to let this go, that in itself doesn't often help in the long term. So we want to avoid becoming mired and having multiple discussions about what not to discuss and why. So in order to avoid having discussions about not having discussions, you might want to choose a code word as a couple that you can use when this repetitive loop is really starting to be present, when it's really draining, when you need to move on. So instead of having a whole discussion, the person who's ready to move on could say the code word. The code word often can be something just lighthearted, maybe funny. It might have a particular meaning to, to the couple that they remember a funny memory. Um, so they can choose the code word. And I've had couples choose just kind of silly, lighthearted ones. One couple chose pineapple. One couple chose Coca-Cola. Um, so really, it's whatever might be an unusual word. It's a code word they've agreed on. It's lighthearted. It can help just shift the mood and stop the loop for long enough that the person who is in agreement that, yeah, I do want to use strategies to shift myself, that this person might be able to take a pause and a step back. As an example, a couple might be discussing this problem with you. And let's say the autistic partner is a male named Jim. And maybe he says that he has trouble letting topics rest because I just want to make sure I get my point across and I never feel confident that I said it clearly. And I feel like I want to say it one more time just in case. And I keep thinking about it and then I say it out loud. So one of the strategies this partnership might use is to reduce this tension building pattern by using a code word. And maybe this couple chose the word guacamole. And so when he was unable to let a topic rest, the introduction of this code word out of the blue did help them just regroup. Sometimes they were able to laugh about it. The partner who was on the spectrum was able to take a step back. Not that this was easy to shift, but it created enough of a pause for the individual to step back. And then he could uh, use some other strategies to calm himself while uh, the other par partner was able to get some rest and kind of take a break. Another strategy can be to introduce what I call artificial structure. So if the person's brain is not going to signal them that it's time to stop, and rather the person's brain is going to kind of encourage this loop, this pattern, then we might need to introduce structure that's just arbitrary but helpful because the brain itself is not structuring the conversation. So by this, I mean that they might agree to limit the number of times a topic can be raised. The goal in this strategy is to contain the amount of space in the relationship that the topic is allowed to fill. 
So one way to create this boundary is to decide how often an issue can be raised. So a couple might choose a per day amount, it might choose a per week amount, or it might be forever. So you can talk about this three more times. And then regardless of the time that elapses, we agree that we're not going to talk about it again. Adding a concrete representation to the number can also help. So let's say they decide that something has happened, they've been in this loop about a conversation they had with a friend, and there's really nothing critical enough about the topic that they need to discuss it again in the future. The goal is really to help the ASD individual. In this example, let's call her Mary, is to help Mary uh, release from that behavioral loop. So they're going to choose three more times that she is allowed to bring the topic up. And she is going to have this concrete representation of the number three by reaching into the uh, almond jar and taking out three almonds. And she has three almonds in her hand and she can feel this concrete representation in her hand that when she wants to bring the topic up again, she'll hand one of those almonds to her partner and then they're able to talk about it. And she knows she has two more almonds in her hand, two more times to process this past conversation that she wants to talk about. Another very concrete kind of artificial structure that they can impose is to limit the length of time the topic can be discussed. So in addition to or instead of the three more times you can talk about this strategy, perhaps they decide on the length of time that it can be discussed. So perhaps they decide that each time Mary wants to use one of the almonds to talk about the topic, she has 12 minutes to emphasize her thoughts. And so they can put this timer on that allows her to have space to process her thoughts and her concerns and this repetitive loop. But it also imposes constraint on the amount of space that this loop is able to take up. Another time-based strategy was that Mary decided to schedule time for uh, thought loops. So she was going to journal all of her thoughts. But again, instead of allowing the thoughts to take up all of the space and time of all of her day, she decided to plan 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. And during that time, she could ruminate and think about and have this whole behavioral and thought process loop about this past conversation she just couldn't stop thinking about. And she would write all of her thoughts down. That 30 minutes was just to think about this one topic in conversation that she felt like she couldn't let go. Then after the 30 minutes, she closed the journal And if she started thinking about that topic again during the day, she just reminded herself, I can think about this, but not until 7 o'clock tonight. That's my thought process time to have some time to behavioral loop through this past conversation that I can't stop thinking about. And then I'll journal all my thoughts about it again. Perhaps she'll use some of these journal entries when she gives her partner 
that second almond or that third almond. Maybe she has journaled for days and realizes that there's one piece of her thought process loop that she actually hasn't said out loud to her partner, and she wants to use one of those almonds in order to do that. So applying a schedule can enable her to process the original problem or the original conversation without allowing it the entire space of the day, the entire time of the day. I have time to think about this. I have time to talk about it, but I've structured things so that I have a code word where I can pause and take a step back. I have a certain number of times I can talk about it, and I have this journaling time where I get my thoughts together And I can kind of constrain the time that it takes up. So when partners are willing to agree on a goal of reducing this conversational rumination, and they have this willingness to utilize some new strategies, that's when progress can be made toward improved balance over the long term. This is for couples that really want to break the cycle of getting in behavioral loops about past conversations. This is just a neurologic quality in autism where this leaning toward repetition will happen. And some of these really concrete strategies, they don't take away that neurologic leaning, but they give the couple some structural tools to make sure it doesn't take over all of their conversations. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope you come again next time.